big news, because we had so much fun at our last live show, we're doing it again. That's right. We're going live again, but this time we're going to the Ripped Bodice in Brooklyn, which is an absolute dream come true of a location. This show is going to be part of a larger romance festival being put on by Fish Market Theater Company. And I'll give you details about all of the awesome events that they'll have going on that weekend soon. But for now, head on over to the ticket link in the show notes and get your tickets for our performance, which will be on March 9th at 7.15 p.m. Eastern Time. We don't have streaming set up quite yet, but we're working on it because we know a lot of you aren't in New York. But if you are or if you can get here, we hope that you'll get your tickets and come join us because it's going to be a blast. It is a truth universally acknowledged that a single man in possession of a good fortune must be in want of a wife. That is a truth that is often universally acknowledged. Yep, yep. That's what I've found uh, in this current 21st century life that I live. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, all the men want me to be their wives. Same. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Pot and Prejudice. I'm Becca. And I'm Molly. We're here to talk about some Jane Austen. So, in case you're new and didn't hear our first episode, I have never read a Jane Austen book before, and Becca... I've read several Jane Austen books several times, and I'm a big fan. So, we're kind of taking this journey together, Um, Becca guiding me along with some study questions at the end of each episode, and... In today's episode, we're going to discuss chapters five through eight. Of Pride and Prejudice. Of Pride and Prejudice. Yeah, so let's get right into it. So I'm very excited <laughs> about these chapters. In chapter five, we sort of meet the Lucases, which mm-hmm. are the family that live nearby to the, the Bennets. And the we've Bennets. heard a little bit about the Lucases so far. But mostly they've just been referred to in the background. Like one of the Lucases danced with Bingley. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mrs. Bennet is friends with Lady Lucas, but also dramatically hates her. It's a whole thing. <laughs> I was also confused as to why we called them Sir and Lady Lucas in the in the first episode. I think we talked about that a little bit. Maybe we didn't, but um, I was like, what's the difference between a Sir and a Mister and a Lady and a Mrs.? And in this chapter, we discover that Sir William Lucas was knighted. Mm-hmm. He's, by the king. Yep, yep. He is a big fucking deal. Um, and... They decided to kind of retire from the public eye and, and go live at Lucas Lodge, away from the city. He just wants to chill and bask in his own glory. He does, yeah. And and enjoy his importance, but he's not a dick. They make that very clear. Since becoming knighted, he is very good to other people. Um, is he a philanthropist? Uh, what is... What exactly do they mean here? I think he's just, like, a good member of the community, just, like, upstanding. He's, like, mm-hmm. a pleasure to be around and, like, the anti-Darcy, if you will. The anti-Darcy. Because yeah. we hate... Well, I hate Darcy. <laughs> I don't know if we do on this podcast, but right now, I do. But that's I, not... That's beside the point. Yeah. Um, so, we talk about him, and then Lady Lucas is, quote, not too clever to be a valuable neighbor to Mrs. Bennet. She's like Mrs. Bennett's friend that she keeps around because she makes her feel like a little better about herself. She's like the Gretchen Wieners to Mrs. Bennett's Regina George. Oh, I love that. Thank you. (laughs) I understand now. Um, They have several children, the eldest of which is 27 and is a good friend of Lizzie's. Mm -hmm. Is Lizzie 27? No. Okay, because I was going to say we determined last episode that Bingley is 21 or 22. Mm Mm-hmm. So I assume Darcy is also around 21 or 22, and if Lizzie was 27, I would think that's a little bit strange for this era. No, first of all, I do think that, I I don't have this confirmed, but I do think Darcy is a little older than Bingley. Okay. Second of all, no, Charlotte is older than Lizzie. Okay. Uh, And Charlotte is extremely old to be single in this time period. Is Charlotte single? Yeah. Ooh, okay. Yeah, that's why she's still a Lucas. Right, 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 right. She's Miss Lucas. Right. Um, So at the beginning of this chapter, the Lucas girls come over to discuss the ball, and Mrs. Bennet is also there. (laughs) (laughs) And Mrs. Bennet just really wants to tell them all 
or t have them all tell her how much Bingley likes Jane. So she's like, Charlotte, you were his first choice, I noticed. And Charlotte's like, well, he liked his second choice better. And Mrs. Bennet's like, oh, you mean because he danced with her twice? Oh, oh, I didn't know. And then I think that it's Lizzie who jumps in with this, but is like, oh, didn't I mention to you that he told Mrs. Robinson that the eldest Bennet was the prettiest in the assembly without a doubt? And Mrs. Bennet is like, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, uh, but I think that, that you might have mentioned something along those lines. And um, then she Charlotte... She is, like, milking this. She is really milking it. Then Charlotte says, well, Lizzie, my overhearings were a little bit more to the point than yours. Charlotte overheard what Darcy said. Oh, yes. Yes, she did. And to remind everyone, Darcy said that Lizzie was tolerable, but not handsome enough to tempt him. Um, and she says, she brings that up. Then they all talk about how he sucks anyway, and Lizzie's not really missing out. And Mrs. Bennett says, you know, Mrs. Long said she sat by him for a while, and he didn't say anything to her. So, yeah, asshole. <laughs> then Jane kind of tries to jump to his aid and says, that's weird, I thought I saw them talking to each other. Yeah, I think I think there's a little um, bitch cracker syndrome with mm -hmm. Mr. Darcy in the community. Mm -hmm. um, for those of you who don't know what bitch cracker syndrome is all about, this is um, one of the greatest inventions in the universe. It is actually accredited to our friend Nikki Chickerel. Uh, bitch cracker syndrome is a syndrome when someone really annoys you, and they do so much that annoys you that it gets to a point that everything they do annoys you. So, like, they literally could be in a corner eating crackers, and you'd be like, look at that bitch sitting over there eating crackers. I use this all the time. Uh, Nikki told this to me, I think, six years ago, and I still say it all the time, and I just am here to spread this gospel. But, yeah, this community has a little bitch crackers for Darcy, so they're just, like, willing to believe everything he does is terrible. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. And uh, it goes again to Jane being like, oh, well, he's not that bad because she's willing to see mm -hmm. the best in everyone and Darcy's not coming off well to the rest of the community right yeah. now. And she also says that Bingley's sister said that he never really talks much anyway unless it's to a really close friend. So she's trying to help. I thought, hmm, is Darcy shy? Maybe he's just shy. But, like, don't be a dick, but maybe he's shy. I don't know. Something to unpack later, I yeah. suppose. Then... One of the Lucas daughters says, uh, honestly, he has every right to be proud. He's rich and young. And Lizzie says, you know, I could easily forgive his pride if he had not mortified mine. And that's the first sign that we get that it, like, actually has stuck with her. That's what I'm himself. saying. He really did just put this little thing in her brain where from now on she's just going to be like, oh, wow, this guy is the worst and he saw this terrible thing in me and... It is partially just a really righteous anger, but there is a piece of it that is a little um, of an ego bruise to Lizzie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Then Mary says the most Mary thing that Mary could say. Oh, yes. Um, I think I just wrote in the margins, Mary. Mm -hmm. Mary says, Pride is a very common human failing, but pride relates more to our opinion of ourselves and vanity to what we would have others think of us. Which I think she's what she's saying is that Darcy is vain as opposed to proud, maybe? Well, I think that that's a real question because um, which is sort of worse? Because being proud, proud means that like you think very highly of yourself, whereas vanity um, means that you want people to perceive you as great. Right, and it's like, is vanity falser? Yeah, and yes. I also think that... Um, it gets to sort of, it gets to the fact that Darcy is many things, but he is not beholden to the opinions of others, for the most part. Okay. And, I mean, I don't want to give spoilers. So, so. she's saying, she's saying that he's just proud, and not vain. Mm -hmm. All right, well, I'll give him that then, mm -hmm. because he, you're right, he doesn't give a shit. He does not <laughs> care what people think. Yep. And I think. Yeah. I wonder if Bingley cares what people think. I really like Bingley. I was just trying to, like, play the devil's advocate and be like, hmm, I wonder if anyone's vain here. Uh, I choose not to comment yeah, on no this comment, at this no time. Comment. And uh, what I will say is this, this is a sort of, like, little nudge-nudge you get to the title of the book as well. Pride and Prejudice! Yeah! 
Wait, you didn't get that? Becca just looked at me. I looked so surprised, and Becca just looked at me so surprised. I was like, I was, I was ready. I was like, oh, this title, this chapter is like a little boring, it's but the titular it's, line. it's got that titular line in it, and it's gonna be really this moment of like wisdom and everything. And we were gonna talk about it, and uh, she was like, wait, it's in the title. <laughs> I think I probably had that realization and then forgot. Oh, yes. Um, pride. Pride and prejudice. So we Let's found, think about that. Well, we found the pride. We haven't found the prejudice yet. Oh, my God. Is, is, I'm not going yeah, to say wanna, anything. Yeah, okay. um, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I want to hear your prediction, is though. Is Lizzie prejudiced against him? I'm not going to look at you. Someone's prejudiced against him because he's a dick, which I think is probably justified. Anyway, um, that's my thoughts on that right now. Nobody replies to Mary's comment on pride and vanity, but a son, a Lucas son, who just came with for fun, says if he was as rich as Mr. Darcy, he would keep a pack of foxhounds and drink a bottle of wine every day. And then he and Mrs. Bennett argue about alcoholism and the drinking age for a while, and that's the end of that chapter. Well, I would also get dogs and wine if I were rich. Same. And chocolate. Oh, yeah. Lots of chocolate. Tons of chocolate. Ugh, I want chocolate right now. Same. But we're going to talk about Pride and Prejudice instead. We're going to talk about my favorite chapter in this book so far. Oh, yes. We're about to head into chapter six, which is an iconic, game-changing chapter. This is, like, not what I was expecting when I signed on for this. All right, let's go. The ladies start visiting each other. So the Bingley sisters are visiting the Bennett sisters. Mm-hmm. They don't like them. You mean the Bingleys don't like the Bennets? Correct. Do you get which Bennets they don't like, though? Yeah, so the Bingley sisters hate the parents mm-hmm. and the younger Bennett sisters, mm-hmm. but they wanted to get to know Jane and Lizzie. There's a sense that Jane and Lizzie are these pretty girls who are super polite and pretty sharp, and really fit in well in the high society if they want to, but that the rest of the family doesn't do as well. Yeah. Um, They found the mother to be intolerable and the younger sister's not worth speaking to. Gross. Which is gross. Just, ugh. Anyway, Jane kind of eats up the attention that these sisters are showing her and Lizzie because she likes their brother. Obviously. Also, just because Jane's like, oh my god, people are being my friends. Yeah, it's so Jane's nice. so genuinely good and doesn't seem to see the bad in people. And Lizzie still doesn't like them. Um, Lizzie noticed that Jane was rapidly falling in love with Bingley, but notes that it will go unnoticed by the outside world because Jane is very good at keeping her emotions in check. That is absolutely a mood because I've been told that when I like someone, I'm really not obvious about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that it becomes a problem for me personally when uh, I, like, I'm like, oh, no, I do like you. And they're like, wait, what? You like me? Right. <laughs> yeah, and Charlotte, the, the Lucas girl, brings this up and says, well, she better not keep her feelings too on the down low or else Bingley won't notice either and he'll give up on her. She says something that I liked was that um, basically it takes two to tango. She says, very few of us have heart enough to really be in love without encouragement. That if you don't sense it coming from the other person, you're going to give up and not love them. Yeah, we haven't talked about this yet. Charlotte's dope. Charlotte's awesome. She is great. She is so, she is like the only person who can keep up with Lizzie in the books. Yeah, she really is. I get why they're friends. Um, Though, in this bit of the chapter, she says some things I disagree with, but that are kind of funny and very of the time. Oh yeah, give me, hit me with some. Um... Well, first she says this thing about Bingley will give up on her if she doesn't show him that she, how she feels. Then Jane says he'd have to be... I'm sorry. Lizzie says that he'd have to be really dumb to not notice, like I've noticed. And Charlotte says, you know Lizzie. You know... Fuck! Starting over. There are a lot of white girl names here, so it's yeah. like not that bad. Yeah. Um, Lizzie says he'd have to be an idiot not to notice. Charlotte says he doesn't know Jane like Lizzie does yet. And she says, since they only ever see each other in large groups, Jane really has to show how she feels when they're together. And she says, once she is secure of him, there will be leisure for falling in love as much as one chooses. Basically, hook him first, then you can get to know him, is what she's saying. And she also says something about marriage. Um, Well, she says that thing about how uh, you could get married tomorrow or in a year. Yes, oh, I bring that up. It, like, won't 
make a difference in whether or not you're actually happy. So on one hand, I am a big believer in time in a relationship before you make any big commitments. I think it's extremely important. On the other hand, there is that line from Ron Swanson in Parks and Rec, for those who watch Parks and Rec. Do you not watch Parks and Rec? I've watched some Parks and Rec, but if we've learned anything about me so far, it's Uh, that I am still spoiler-free despite having seen episodes of it. He's talking about how when a certain couple gets married pretty early in a relationship in the show. Is it, what's the name of the cute nose? Who on Parks and Rec has a cute nose? (laughs) Uh, Ben... No, it's I. I'm not gonna spoil anything on yeah, this. No, but no, yeah. you, I wait, wait, wait. Adam Scott's nose is cute to you. That's like the piece of Adam Scott you like. He has nice eyebrows. He kind of looks like an elf. He does look like an elf, but I would I would say like he has nice hair or eye like nose. I don't know. It's just the first eyebrows. <laughs> oh, what a handsome brow on that actor. I'm um, gay. Look at eyebrows. <laughs> Regardless, uh, Ron Swanson says, you know, like, I dated my ex-wives for a long time, and both of them ended in bitter divorces, Um, and he says, basically, you meet someone you like, and you roll the dice, and there's really not much more to that. Timing only plays a certain amount of a role, and I do think that Charlotte is onto something there. However, four dates is not marriage time. Four dates is not marriage time. Even even in the Edwardian times, I know in the Edwardian times it's probably marriage time, but I, I I can't. Yeah, and well, she says she danced four dances with him at Maryton. She saw him one morning at his own house and has since dined in company with him four times. This is not quite enough to make her understand his character. That's Lizzie, Lizzie and then she says, says Charlotte's all like. Well, yeah, she dined with him, but she also spent the evenings with him. And then I said. They've spent four evenings together, Jane with, Austen, but I'm immediately, I'm immediately. They're like about sitting that. and having an aperitif and like chilling by the fire. Quote unquote, spent the evening together. Well, that's what I do when I spend the evening with a man. Oh, me too. Yeah. <laughs> then Charlotte says the thing about happiness in marriage is just a matter of chance. That makes me think a lot about Mr. and Mrs. Bennett, and I wonder if they were in love when they got married. You know, I don't think it's expanded upon. I could be wrong. Spin-off series. That would be a great prequel. Jane Austen, where you at? Very dead. <laughs> She's dead. I know, I know. Um, <laughs> just so everyone's clear, I know. <laughs> oh, dear. I know, she's dead. Anyway, Lizzie just laughs at this. Oh, because Charlotte says that it's it's better not to know the faults of your husband before you marry him. So that I don't agree with. Know what the like kinks in your car are you before you buy it. You gotta know if he snores. You gotta know. That would be such a deal breaker for me. I'm sorry, but... Really? It's snoring? I, I like, have to be able to sleep well, next to you. I, so I can't sleep next to anyone anyway. So yeah, I'm I just like, like I don't know if anybody else relates to this, but men are furnaces. It's just like being enveloped in like a damp heat blanket the entire night and I just I, I can't sleep no matter how comfortable I am in the rest of the bed unless I am curled up on one side and he is all the way on the other there's just no chance that I will ever sleep I'm just like very aware of the presence of another human being and I like l- like can feel if they like, shift or they breathe same with cats too and dogs I like can't sleep with oh, anything same, yeah well, I can sleep if my dog, like, comes up next to me and, like, cuddles up next to me. But if she's by my feet, like, twitching, I'm like, Amy. I'm the opposite. If the cat is, like, chilling at the bottom of the bed, I can make it work. But um, one of my cats from, like, my childhood home, she likes to sleep on your chest. And she's, like, five pounds, so she's not heavy. But if I turn in my sleep, what she'll do is she'll walk up the side of me and, like, plant on the side. So oh. she somehow finds a way to balance on me and wakes me up every time she moves. And every time I move, men are so much worse than that because they like, they're they're just large and sweaty. Sorry, I'm sure some of you guys are not at all large or sweaty, but my experience, my personal experience with men is that when you sleep in the same bed as one, uh, there's just no comfort because you're just overheated the entire time, no matter what time of year it is, no matter how hot the room is. This is getting really riled up, right? (laughs) This has been my rant about sharing beds. Like, I just want like a Ricky and Lucy situation in my later life. We are dancing around the fact that at this point, <laughs> at this point in the book, on page 24 of my copy, 
from Barnes and Noble on page 24. And it's it's a 400-page book. At this point, where we just got to know Mr. Darcy, all of a sudden, they just throw in our face that Darcy has a big old crush on Lizzie. I'm so upset. <laughs> so, yeah, our first interaction with Darcy is, God, she's just, like, not cute enough for me to care. The second interaction is, shit, I'm that woman is her. so hot. Lizzie is too busy figuring out Jane and Bingley's whole situation, dynamic. dynamic, that she would not have time to even consider that she might be the object of Darcy's affections. What I'm reading here from Jane Austen, I think this passage is one of the funniest passages in the book. I read it over <laughs> like six times. I, I wrote next to it, just, ha! <laughs> so for me, it's like when it, she's talking about Darcy's affections, she is not saying he loves her right now. No, 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 no. What he is, she is saying is that this guy is realizing, as he's hanging out with her more, how he's got this like weird boner for her. It's like a real negging situation at this point. Like he, he just like, he decided she was kind of worth nothing and he doesn't care about this town, but like he finds himself so unbelievably attracted to her for yeah. like a random reason. Have you never had that kind of crush? No, I totally have. And I hate it. So distracting. And they go into it in such detail. Like the, the things that he hated about her now he's kind of like, oh, wait, like her eyes, for example. Um, he, he's noticed that her face is rendered uncommonly intelligent because of the beautiful expression of her dark eyes, where before he couldn't find anything good about her. He also has some other equally mortifying realizations is how it's described in the book. Which, like, is a little mean, but also, like, is incredibly relatable. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Um, I love it. Uh, her asymmetrical form is light and pleasing. Her manners, while not for the fashionable world, are very <laughs> playful. Um, one thing he didn't know is that he was the only man to ever not make himself agreeable to her and to ever not want to dance with her. Well, yeah, she's... So, we already talked about the fact that Jane's a bitty. Jane is hot. Mm -hmm. uh, Lizzie is also hot. She's not as hot as Jane, apparently. Like, but maybe like, unconventionally beautiful? Not even. Like, to give you an impression, in the Kira Knightley version, you know who plays Jane? Who? Rosamund Pike. How do you spell that? R-O-S-A-M-U-N-D. Yeah, there she is. Also, Rosamund, if you have any interest, uh, there's an open invitation to come on this podcast. Please do. Please speak to our three ah, and a half yes. listeners. Yes. She plays Jane Bennett in the uh, original, like the Kira Knightley version. She's she's pretty, okay. Uh, she's she a stunner. She is a stunner, but thank you. Um, but I just, I just want to look at pictures of Kira Knightley. You poor little gay girl. <laughs> They're obviously both way more beautiful than anybody we, any of us have seen in real life. I think it's just that like these two Bennett sisters are supposed to be these pretty girls. Lizzie leads with her brain. Jane leads with her heart. Jane is more like classically the most like seen as attractive, but Lizzie is definitely not frowned upon by anyone. Again, we are both serious feminists and we do not condone the objectification of women. Even Karen Knightley and Rosamund Pike, who are both beautiful actresses, they're both extremely talented as well but it is true that in this time period we are talking about a love story and all these boys are noticing how pretty these girls are yeah. so we're just kind of taking evaluations and congratulating these girls on being fucking fierce so good yes so we have darcy having this weird boner for lizzie and so in his way of expressing this is, is in social situations he, he starts standing near her <laughs> Listening to her conversations. It's so weird. Darcy has his faults, but the level of inability to socialize on him is so apparent. So relatable, honestly, because if I could just be as bold as him as to just stand near the person I like <laughs> and listen, then then I probably would, as opposed to like actually try to talk to them. Yeah, just like stand and stare until they say something. Yeah, but in, <laughs> unless what they say is what Lizzie says, which is she's with Charlotte at this party. And she had just been talking to a colonel. And Darcy was standing nearby. And she was like, Charlotte, what, why is he standing there? And Charlotte's like, Lizzie, don't do it. And Lizzie's like, I'm going to do it. And she like goes up to him and she says, Did you not think, Mr. Darcy, that I expressed myself uncommonly well just now when I was teasing Colonel Forrester to give us a ball at Meryton? He says, with great energy, but it is a subject which always makes a lady energetic. And basically, Charlotte is like, um... Lizzie, why don't you play us a song on the piano? <laughs> this is like a very like Jane Austen thing. Like for some reason they're all hanging out and they're like, hey, one of you pretty young girls, play something for us on the piano. 
And it's like one of those skill sets that all girls had to have back yeah. then. Everyone had to be good at sewing. Everyone had to be good at piano. We'll get into that too. In oh a minute, yes, in the next absolutely. And Lizzie is not that great at the piano. But she turns to Charlotte and she's like, you know, if I were good at the piano and if I were vain about it, she says, if, if my vanity had taken a musical turn, uh, you'd be a really useful friend to have around because you're always asking me to play for people <laughs> or sing for people. But um, as it is, I don't really want to. But she does, like, fine, right? But she does fine. My favorite thing about this, though, is that she turns to Darcy and she says, there's a very fine old saying, which everybody here, of course, is familiar with, keep your breath to cool your porridge. And I shall keep mine to swell my song. And then she walks away. <laughs> I love that. She's basically telling him, shut up and listen to me play the piano. It's just like, I'm done talking to you yep. now. Goodbye. So she goes and she does fine. She's fine at the piano. And then she stops. And Mary comes to play after her. And poor little Mary. Poor little goth middle child. She is the only <laughs> plain one in the family. So she works really hard for people to acknowledge the accomplishments that she does have. One of which is being pretty good at the piano. So it's like, it's hard to tell Mary on the piano, but like, it's supposed to be kind of embarrassing whenever she tries to play. Like, Wait, really? Did yeah. I read this wrong? Well, she's like not, I don't know if she's bad or not, but I do think she's like, not great. It's like, the way she plays and the sloppiness with which she plays would even not be great if she were more talented than she was. Oh. People do start to dance, though, and she's, but like, she is overcompensating. It does say she's always impatient for display. Yeah. So oh. I think she's not bad, but I do think it's, like, this embarrassing thing. It's, like, those friends like, oh, Mary. who, like, like, you know, you're, we both come from theater. It's, like, Mary's a musical theater girl who is always getting up on a chair and singing, and she's decent, but she doesn't breath support, or, and she's, like, always trying for the really high belt note. Um, mm-hmm. And so she's, like, girl... No one asked. Please stop. People start dancing to Mary's playing, and this makes Darcy really upset because, as we know, he hates dancing. And Sir William Lucas comes over and sits with him in his kind of... Curmudgeonly state. Curmudgeonly state. Uh, he's also curmudgeonly because because people are dancing. Mm-hmm. Because, 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 because. Because that means he can't spy on Lizzie anymore. Oh, my God. He also just, like, wants to hear her talk because she's so fucking clever. Mm-hmm. Like, she's just witty. I have a crush on Lizzie, too. I mean, don't we all? Yeah. William Lucas comes over and says, hey, Darcy, you should be dancing. Like, it's fun, you know? And Darcy doesn't want to dance. Lizzie starts walking over in that general direction, not necessarily coming over to talk to them. I doubt she was coming over to talk to them, actually, but... Sir Lucas is like, oh, uh, why don't you two dance with each other? And he says to Darcy, you cannot refuse to dance, I am sure, when there's so much beauty before you. Which, like, yeah. Which is true, She's fucking fierce. (laughs) She is. She's fucking fierce. And he reaches for her hand to give it to Darcy, and I'm almost really mad. Because he's just a man trying to give a woman to another man to dance. But then... But then Lizzie pulls her hand away and is like, I definitely don't have any intentions of dancing. Please do not assume that I came over here to beg for a partner. Ooh. Which is hot. Then Darcy is kind of like quietly, um, can I actually dance with you? Which is just beautiful. It's so good. Yeah, how exactly did... Mr. Darcy, with grave propriety, requested to be allowed the honor of her hand, but in vain. Um, Lizzie was determined and did not want to dance, and Sir William tried to get her to dance with him. He's like, oh, you're so good at dancing, and um, I'm sure Mr. Darcy generally doesn't like dancing, but he could have no objection to oblige us for one half hour to oblige us us like she did not ask oh well i think it's yeah i think it's like the room should see such two such handsome young people dancing Mm -hmm. together um (laughs) and she's like mr darcy is all politeness i love the idea that she just says it so passive aggressively like mr darcy is all politeness yeah it's like (laughs) that it's like it's sarcastic oh yes because he's clearly not um and so she walks away then miss bingley comes over. Oh, yes. Our friend Charlie's sister, and tries to commiserate with Darcy about how boring this party is, saying, like, I'm sure I know what you're thinking about. You're thinking, how could we be having fun right now? This dancing is horrible. This party 
sucks, blah, 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 blah. And he says, you're quite wrong. I was just thinking about the pleasure a pair of fine eyes in the face of a pretty woman can bestow. And Miss Bingley is like, who are you talking about? And he immediately is like, oh, Elizabeth Bennet. And I wrote, I'm shook. Because he's just being so open with this crush all of a sudden. Well, I think he and Caroline Bigley know each other quite well. Like they're like good friends. So it's kind of like you're at a party with your friend and you're like, oh, I'm having a good time. That girl is so hot. Okay. Like, it's just... But everyone knows what he said about her. Maybe not everyone knows about what he said. No, knows. no, I don't think so. I think that was really just a moment. I think here's what I perceive to have happened. Like one Lucas girl heard it and one Bennett girl heard it. And they told their families. Okay. So the families know, and they're just like, fuck that guy. Right, okay. But I think Miss Bingley knows that, like, he didn't find her attractive before because they were, like, bitching about the last fall together. Right. But now she says, when am I to wish you joy? Meaning, when am I to, like... Yeah, when's the wedding, basically. And I laughed out loud. (laughs) I genuinely did because she just jumps right to it, right to the point, and... Darcy calls her out on that and says, that's exactly what I thought you were going to say. A lady's imagination is very rapid. It jumps from admiration to love, from love to matrimony in a moment. I knew you would be wishing me joy. And Mrs. Miss Bennett is Miss like, Bingley. Miss Bingley. Fuck. <laughs> Miss Bingley um, is like, oh, no, no, no. It's absolutely settled. If you like her, you're getting married. And she just like rambles on. And he kind of is like, I'll let you talk. Which is pretty cute what (laughs) oh what say it again (laughs) but it's cute (laughs) oh my gosh well looky here at that who found something endearing about mr darcy i hate it the reason i say that it's cute is because i think that lizzie and darcy have kind of similar views on love and marriage interesting why do you say that um the way she talks about Jane not thinking about marriage when she's talking with Charlotte, when, when Charlotte says the thing about, oh, she just got to get married first, Lizzie brings up, that would be well and good if I thought that Jane was looking to get married, but I think that Jane's kind of just falling in love and not really thinking about marriage. Um, and that's something that, that Lizzie, I think, also feels. And the way he's not thinking about Lizzie in a marriage way, but just kind of like admiring her. Yeah. So they kind of both feel that love doesn't necessarily have to mean marriage. I think they also both feel that one need not rush into marriage for um, economic reasons or societal reasons. Because right now, Jane and Bingley are flirting like crazy and they're dating-ish because they keep going to dinner together. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's everyone else is like, oh man, those two are going to get married. But they're not thinking about it that way. Well, I think they probably are, but they can't help it. Right. Because society is making them. Whereas Lizzie and Darcy both have an active rebuke of this. Right. And where they're like, whoa, 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 take a moment to get to know a person. Right, right. And yeah, and they both manifest it differently. Which is what I take you meaning to say that you s- still aren't super into Darcy yet. I am not into Darcy yet. <laughs> okay, I okay. I think it's weird. What, I think he's being weird. I love the idea of him hovering behind her the entire time. It's so good. Um, in chapter seven, first we learn that all of Mr. Bennett's fortune is being left to a distant male relative. And Mrs. Bennett doesn't really have that much to give. So this is kind of what we were talking about earlier mm-hmm. with them, these girls actually needing to marry rich for yes. their own future. This, is, this isn't really a spoiler. This is a huge recurring theme in Austen's work. A lot of her heroines are women of mostly female families or all female families where they don't have a person who's going to inherit and take care of them mm-hmm. because they're not going to inherit any money and they're used to a certain lifestyle and so there is this panic for marriage. It's very much resonant with Austin and her life and not something we obviously deal with today, but it really does form the like stakes of her books differently than modern day rom-coms because we're not just talking about falling in love for the sake of falling in love. We're talking about women who will fall into poverty without that. Or right. uh, either that or they're going to be spinsters who live as leeches off of distant relatives. And on very little, it's it's tragic in a way, the way that women are put upon in this way. And that's part of why, regardless of how ridiculously obnoxious she is, and she is obnoxious, Mrs. Bennet is pretty sympathetic. Yes. 
we learned that they have an aunt and married him. Am I pronouncing that right? I think so. We'll have to ask Kira when she comes on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Hit us up, Kira. Yep. Um, Maryton is one mile away, and the girls frequently go to visit their aunt and go to the hat shops. Kitty and Lydia, the youngest two, go the most frequently because, in the words of Jane Austen, their minds are more vacant than their sisters, and they, they need to fill their time with long walks and um, gossip. So they go to their aunt's house and get all the gossip from town. Right now the gossip is that the militia regiment is in town and is staying there for a quite some period of time and they want to know about all of the officers and I think this is very Chekhovian. Oh my gosh, it is so Chekhovian. This is like the three sisters. The militia comes in and they're all of a sudden like, where are the officers? I must marry it. Just like yeah. put up, pull it, push up the boobs and like the thing yep. is, the thing is that uh, Kitty and Lydia, they're like kind of like thinking marriage but really like they just want to look at them they like want to dance with them and shit they like they want to flirt and have fun i stand kitty and lydia i kind of love kitty like they're kind of a mess for their family because that is not what women are supposed to be doing in that time period they're supposed to be husband shopping and you kind of see mrs bennett say oh yeah it's fine then maybe they'll find husbands yeah i still don't know how old they are but yeah mrs bennett does say that so kitty and lydia are like talking to their parents like oh my god oh my god oh my god here's the man here's the man this is this guy and this is this guy and the dad is mr bennett is like you guys are the silliest girls on the planet and he means that in a kind of mean way oh yes definitely and mrs bennett is like how could you call your girls silly that way and he's like they're they're filling their heads with nothing but these men and this gossip and whatever and mrs bennett's like you can't really expect them to be as wise as two fully grown adults like these are children and honestly i used to like myself an officer or two and maybe one of them will want to marry one of them listen we all had weird posters on our walls when we were teenagers these are some huge fangirls over here i used to have a pillow that was fluffy and said i heart ashton on it so I can't really judge them. <laughs> My friend had an Orlando Bloom pillow. It was just his face. Oh, I'm into that, though. Yeah. I would still take that in a yeah. heartbeat. In the kind of rush of having these officers in town, they've forgotten about Bingley. They don't care anymore. The, the other girls. Oh, yeah, still yeah. cares about Bingley. Then a note comes. While they're, while they're in the discussion of these men, a note comes for Jane from the sisters Bingley saying... That if Jane does not come to dine with them today, they will bite each other's heads off. It basically says that. And I thought, this is like very much playing into like, women don't have anything to do with, if they're not around men, they will fight. It's like a cat fight stereotype. Well, the Bingley sisters, they they have like sort of mean girl vibes yeah. to them. Like they're, they're very like the popular girls. Yeah, not even sort of. They're 100% the mean girls. Oh, fully. Yeah. And they have this sort of like, oh, God, we just hate each other. But, like, we love Jane. Don't we love Jane? We, we love, love Jane so much. We love Jane much. so much. Oh, my God, Jane is Katie Harris. She is so cute. Like, you're, like, really pretty. I love your bonnet. Where did you get it? Oh, my God. That's the ugliest effing bonnet I've ever seen. <laughs> All right. This Great. has been a brief uh, Mean Girls interlude. But the Bingley sisters definitely have this air of... Wanting Jane around sort of like because they're bored and she's pretty enough to be friends with them. Mm-hmm. And she likes to be around them partially because she likes everyone, but also because she gets to be around their brother who she just adores. Right. Don't we all? <laughs> but right now the brother isn't there. He's dining with the officers. And when she reads that part out loud, Lydia's like, how come my aunt didn't tell me about that? Like, <laughs> weird. Lydia just wants to be with the officers she all really the does. time. Um, Mrs. Bennett says that dining out is unlucky. I don't know what that. It's just about. mostly uh, Mrs. Bennett being dramatic. Oh, that, that, she, that he won't be there. Yeah, yeah. I understand. Um, and then Jane asks for the carriage to go over, and Mrs. Bennett says, No, it's supposed to rain. If you go on horseback and it rains, you won't be able to come back. You'll have to spend the night. This is such a fucking ruse. It's <laughs> so wild. It's so fucking funny. So she literally sends her daughter on horseback and it rains and Jane gets sick. And she's like perfect. She's She's there. She's there. And Jane sends a letter back the next day being like they simply won't have me leave until I'm better so I'm, I'm here for the time being and Mrs. Bennett's like great. Mr. Bennett is like well I'm so glad that if Jane ends up 
dead, it'll be because she was in pursuit of Mr. Bingley and on your orders. And Mrs. Bennet's like, oh, of course she won't die. She'll just get sick enough to win over us. Exactly. It's buck wild. Like, I just love the image of Mrs. Bennet being like, no, this is going to work. And yeah. Jane's like, oh, mom, I don't really know, honey. Okay. And then she's yeah. just like tentatively like on the horse. And it's going raining. And, and it's pouring and she's like... It's all for love. She's like, Mom said this was a good idea. Yeah, for I'm Jane. sure it's going to be fine. And then she's just, like, sick in front of her boy. It's so sad. And then yeah. um, when this letter comes the next morning, Lizzie is like, I have to go see her. And they won't give her the carriage either. So she walks. Hello. It's Molly from the future hopping in to tell you about a new season of one of my absolute favorite podcasts. Hot and Bothered, hosted by returning Pod and Prejudice guest Vanessa Zoltan, is a podcast that treats romance as sacred. You've probably all already heard of this podcast because in their fourth season, they covered Pride and Prejudice. And now Hot and Bothered is back with a season that is all about romantic films. The first 10 episodes of this new season follow Vanessa as she learns how to critically watch movies by looking closely at the classic 2003 rom-com How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. After 10 episodes, Vanessa will be joined by her co-host Hannah McGregor, a media studies scholar, author, and podcaster, and together they'll look at romantic films from Casablanca to Love and Basketball to When Harry Met Sally. The show is already so fun after just listening to one episode, and I cannot wait to listen to the rest of the season. So subscribe to Hot and Bothered wherever you get your podcasts to jump into this new season that's all about romantic films, or to enjoy their previous seasons about Pride and Prejudice, Jane Eyre, and a personal favorite, Twilight. Again, that's Hot and Bothered, and it can be found wherever you get your podcasts. Also, this August, Vanessa is leading a pilgrimage to Bath for a five-day trip dedicated to Northanger Abbey. Now, I don't know anything about Northanger Abbey, but even I want to go on this trip. Together, you and 20 other Austinites are delving into the story of Catherine Moreland while immersed in a gorgeous city that features heavily in Austin's life and writing, as you know. So if you enjoy contemplative hikes, immersion in a new city, time away from your regular life, and the chance to talk about Austin with fans from all over the world, which I know all of you do, then this trip is for you. So check out Common Ground Pilgrimages at readingandwalkingwith.com. To claim your spot on the Northanger Abbey trip, head to readingandwalkingwith.com slash northanger-abbey-2024. And now back to this episode. Lizzie is a fucking badass that is first of all that's a long walk it's three miles it's like what like an hour and a half two hours if you're walking in those yeah. boots um and that's not heard of in this time period i'm guessing based on their response to her exercising so they they like do go on walks all yeah. the time in jane austen and but this it's is muddy yeah that's the thing is it's it's not that it's not that she walked there necessarily. She could walk there, although it's a little strange. I think it's more that it's disgusting and there was no easy way for her to walk there right. without getting completely fucked up. Right. It's muddy and I'm guessing it's kind of hot. It's like that humidity after the rain. Oh, and good point. Yeah. She's just, she's trekking through some unpleasant weather. Lydia and Kidia. Kidian. Kidia! <laughs> I said Liddy and Kidia. I, I like I referring to them as Kidia. So Kidia is like, we'll come with you as far as Maryton, then we're going to go see the officers. <laughs> One of them's leaving for London today, and we yep. want to catch him before he goes. Yep. So they go with her. Um, they break off after the first mile, and she goes on for two more miles by herself through the mud, and she shows up. I also think it's like men would walk more, I guess, than women. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, and she has this big skirt on. Oh, yeah. It's like her petticoat is showing. Yeah, I'm and trying to think of like all the walks people take in Jane Austen because they do take a lot of walks yeah they're very they're very wealthy and they need to fill their time yeah um so they go on a lot of walks but this walk really fucks up uh all the Bingleys yes she shows up like sweaty and gross and covered in mud and her face is like all red and her hair is all over the place and she shows up and everyone looks up and she's in their parlor, and the sisters are very surprised to see her. I, I just, I like everyone's reactions. The sisters are surprised that she should have walked so long so early in the day in such mm -hmm. weather, and by herself. That's the other piece of it, it's that she it's walked by, by herself, herself, so women didn't do that. They right. walked, 
I'm, I'm remembering this now. Women walk in pairs. Yeah. Mr. Bingley is like, oh, that's so sweet of you to come. It's just a genuinely nice person. He's a little munchkin. He's a little munchkin. He's like a little nugget. Mr. Darcy was divided between admiration of the brilliancy which exercise had given to her complexion and doubt as to the occasions justifying her coming so far alone. Mr. Hurst is just thinking about his breakfast. Mr. Darcy is like, damn, she's hot when she's sweaty. This is like a little tawdry for Austin, is that she's like, her hair is wild, her face is red, she's out of breath. Like She is uh, quote-unquote hot and bothered. Yeah, she's looking, she's looking like post-coital right now. Like, mm-hmm. And Darcy's just like way distracted about it. Mm-hmm. And the, I love this because like, they talk about Jane being quiet about her feelings, but Darcy's just, like, staring. Yeah. Like, stone-faced and being like, yeah, that's so hot. Or he's, like, kind of got his mouth open a little bit and is like... I think that's internal, though, because it's yeah. such a Bingley move. And, like, I'm seeing move. Darcy just, like, staring at her with the pursed lips, like... Mm. <laughs> oh, I hate that. I hate Jesus. him. So you're I softening, like, this much on him and I can hear it? <laughs> And I have to remind myself that I hate him, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's only chapter six. I have time. Yes, yes, um, you do. Jane's really happy to see Lizzie there. She she kind of wanted her to come when she sent that letter. Lizzie starts to like the sisters because of how they are with Jane. She sees that they're, like, tending to her needs and all of this. So she's like, well, maybe they're not so bad. Then she's like, I guess it's time for me to go. And Jane wants her there, which is so sweet. Yeah. Jane says, can she stay? And they offer her a room and she stays over. Which brings us to chapter eight. Which is just Lizzie at a party she does not want to be at. She's so uncomfortable. I don't know what I'd do in that situation if I were her. I would leave. Like, I would leave my sister. I would say bye. Oh, I would not leave my sister, but I might just, like, chill with my sister the entire time. Yeah, which is kind of what Lizzie does. And then when she sleeps, Lizzie's just like, oh, God, I guess I'll read. Yeah. We've basically just summed up the whole chapter. That is the chapter, but there's a couple uh, conversations, some of which make you remember how much you dislike Darcy. Yes. (laughs) At dinner, Jane is still upstairs, so everyone's like downstairs, and the only person who seems genuinely concerned about Jane is Bingley. Everyone else is like, oh, how is she doing? Oh, okay, and then that's the end. But Bingley's actually concerned. His anxiety for Jane was evident, and his attentions to herself most pleasing, and they prevented Lizzie from feeling herself so much an intruder as she believes she was considered by the others, which is sweet. It's so sweet. Um, also, Darcy don't think she's an intruder. Yeah. Darcy's still thinking about how she looked all out of breath and like oh God. covered in mud. <laughs> um, something I wanted to point out and that I loved is that the sisters' indifference towards Jane when she was not immediately before them restored Elizabeth to the enjoyment of all her original dislike. It's so I fun. I love that. To dislike people. That's what gossip's all about. That's what media is about. Absolutely. It's, it's kind of dumb, but like it is fun. It definitely plays on our human instincts. Yes. Also, just it's again the mean girls of the Bingley clan just being like, You're so cute. Oh my god, mm-hmm. we're gonna take such good care of you, blah blah blah. And then they're like, Don't give a shit about her. Right. When she's not immediately there. Like, I think mean girls need to be smarter, especially these, because like if you're gonna be bitchy about someone or at least drop your act about someone you really have to wait until her bestie slash sister is out of the room to do that speaking of when her bestie slash sister leaves the room as soon as lizzie goes upstairs to tend to jane's more the sisters start railing on her it's terrible they joke about how good a walker she is and how terrible she looked when she arrived and bingley comes to her aid says that it shows that she cares about her sister a lot then Miss Bingley. Is this Caroline Bingley? That- yes. All right, so, so Caroline. Uh, just for, like, the sake of the book, uh, the other Bingley girl is not named Bingley anymore. She's named she's, Mrs. Hurst. She's Mrs. Hurst. Yeah. And so when it refers to Miss Bingley, it is referring to Caroline. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll get into that later. Yeah. So Caroline starts teasing Darcy very openly, and she was like, well, of course, you noticed that she looked kind of disheveled. <laughs> He's like, no, my boner's grown for her. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want her um, even more now. Yeah, he basically says exactly what you just said. Um, <laughs> she says, oh, it, I could tell that her walking so far really affected your admiration for her fine eyes. Basically trying to be like, so you don't like her so much anymore now, do you? And he says, actually, her eyes were brightened by the exercise. For those um, of you who can't see what's happening like I can, Molly just face palmed. <laughs> so we agree that it is hilarious 
that Mr. Darcy can't keep his shit together over a woman who's out of breath. Um, and everyone else at the table kind of just blinks three times also, and then moves on to talk about how Jane is very sweet, but with her family being how they are, there's just no chance. Which is so rude. It's so pointed because, like, no one's dumb. Everyone knows what Bingley is gunning for with her. Mm-hmm. And they're clearly just trying to get at him, which is rude because it's Bingley so... doesn't deserve that. He doesn't. And he tries to stand up for them. He's like, oh, well, they have an uncle in Maryton, which is, I guess, a nice town. And then one of the sisters says, yes, and they have another one in Cheapside, which is uh, apparently a very unfashionable commercial town in London and Bingley says he doesn't care and Darcy says you know it would lessen their chance of marrying men of consideration in this world to have like family that are poor I'm telling you that pedigree is everything in the Austin world yeah and then the sisters keep being mean about their quote-unquote dear friends vulgar relations Yes, and this is where we get to sort of where Kitia and Mary and Mrs. Bennett do no favors mm-hmm. for Lizzie and Jane, and it's stupid because... It's so stupid. We have talked already on this podcast about how these girls are actually, you know, like, they're just teenagers. They're, like, a little silly, but, like, who isn't at that age? Right. And Mrs. Bennett is high-strung as shit and classless, but she also cares so much about her daughters and their well-being, mm-hmm. um, which is why she is the way she is. So... Fuck you, Bingley sisters. Right. So then later, when Jane has fallen asleep, as you say, Lizzie finally is like, I guess I have to go downstairs. Mm -hmm. So she comes down, and everyone's playing cards, and they invite her to play, but she suspects they're playing high, which I think means betting for money. I think it means playing high stakes, yeah. So that means, like, playing for a lot of money. Mm -hmm. So she asks for a book instead, and Miss Bingley, Caroline, makes fun of her for doing nothing but reading, saying she has no other hobbies, but she's a great reader. And Lizzie says, I'm, I'm not a great reader. I like reading, but I also have lots of other hobbies. So I'm glad she's defending herself against this bitch. Then Mr. Bingley says that she takes pleasure in tending to her sister, which he thinks is very sweet. And she thinks is very sweet as well. And she is a fan of Bingley. I mean, you can't... You can't not, not be. be. Charlie is so cute. He's so cute. Yeah. Um, anyway, he tries to give her a book and says he's sorry his collection isn't bigger. And then Caroline says very loudly, Oh, Darcy, don't you have such a huge collection of books at your beautiful home? And like very loudly starts talking about how great... Darcy is and this conversation kind of attracts Lizzie's attention and she ends up coming over to watch the game of cards. They continue to talk about how wonderful Darcy's sister is and how good she is at the piano and Bingley says that he's astonished at how accomplished all young ladies are and how patient they must be to do all of these things and I think that this is maybe a reason why he and Jane are good for each other because he also kind of is like just astonished at the pure magnitude of human accomplishment. It's a very sweet thing. So the two of them are dissimilar in that uh, Bingley is so loud and outgoing and Mm -hmm. friendly and Jane is quite modest and shy. Mm -hmm. But they do have this shared optimism. Yeah. Which is just really sweet. And you don't see couples like that often you if you know what I mean you like don't. couples where both people are bright and shiny yeah like you there's a lot of sunny people who date like dark people and yeah. those are cute too yeah but it's nice when two people are into each other that are just like happy yeah you're like oh you're a sweet couple we love you yeah it's yeah nice. he he goes on to like list all of the things that all young ladies can do like you know piano and whatever piano is an important thing it's really a lot of piano but it's also like like sewing Sewing and and painting and dancing and all this stuff yeah and Darcy says that's all basic but that doesn't really make them accomplished he says an accomplished lady has to go above and beyond and Lizzie says you must comprehend a great deal in your idea of an accomplished woman and Caroline is like yeah she must be able to and then does this really long list of all of the things that a woman must be able to do beyond the basic items and then Darcy says well that's all true but really she must expand her mind by expensive reading and this feels very pointed yes he likes a sharp lady he, he likes a sharp lady who literally was just talking about reading and was just reading mm-hmm. what do you think Lizzie's aware of in terms of Darcy's I assume crush? she still thinks that he hates her yeah 
so weird, Like, I right? think that she's probably taking this as, like, a dig, and he's probably, like, really awkwardly trying to figure out how to be, like, you're hot, but it's just, like, there's a disconnect here. And there is like, a huge disconnect. They're just, like, flying by each other. Then Lizzie says nobody as accomplished as all that. Nobody can do all of those things and then some, and I'm surprised you know any accomplished women at all. And the other two, the Bingley and Hearst ladies, they're very offended that she would say that. And they're like, we know lots of accomplished ladies and we're accomplished and blah, 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 blah. And then Mr. Hearst, a very simple man, is like, can we please get back to the game? You see what I mean when I say Mr. Hearst is just like meh. He's super meh. He's so meh. And um, Lizzie leaves, goes back upstairs. And Caroline says, quote, Eliza Bennett is one of those young ladies who seek to recommend themselves to the other sex by undervaluing their own, and it is a very mean art. She does not like Lizzie. She also is assuming here that she's trying to recommend herself to the opposite sex, meaning she's assuming that because Darcy likes her, she likes Darcy and is trying to be like, oh, I'm not all that great. That's what I'm getting from this, but like obviously that's not true. I think it's also like they're claiming she's one of those. I'm not like other girls, girls. Yeah. Which I mean, anybody who's been around a girl who's like, I am not like other girls. I'm not dramatic. I'm not this and not that. And has like, oh, I don't really have any female friends. Like, don't trust that girl. Yeah. But girls like that uh, often do so to sort of impress men. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what they're accusing Lizzie of here. And I think that's a real misunderstanding it's of what she was mis- saying. She wasn't saying that at all. She was saying, you expect too much. She's saying basically, wow, you don't know anything about women because women are human beings and can't right. be perfect. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But when they say mean, do they mean like small? Yeah, like, like gross, gross, small, cr- crude. And then Darcy says there's a meanness in all arts which ladies employ for captivation. Um, meaning that he's not trying to do courtship and he doesn't enjoy He don't play no games. He really doesn't like it. Lizzie comes back down to say that Jane is worse, so they all decide that the doctor will come in in the morning, and Bingley is just distraught, and the sisters claim to be distraught, but they're fine after they uh, do some duets after supper. And that's the end of chapter eight. All right, that brings us to some of our study questions for the episode, Mm -hmm. so let's pull those up for a second. I wanted to hear your thoughts on the distinctions between vanity and pride, and what we thought of the way in which Mary characterizes those. Do you agree? I think I agree. I think there have been times when I'm very proud of myself, and I think that it's okay to feel pride. But I also think that pride can come to a fault if it's misplaced, if you're proud because you're rich, like, as we are seeing Darcy is. I feel like that's... I don't like that. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't like Darcy. (laughs) I'm just going to keep saying that so that I can believe it. Well, I think there's two sides to pride. There's uh, the sort of the proudness of believing you are better than others Mm -hmm. is a bad way to be. Mm -hmm. But the pride in disbelieving that you are less good than others, the pride in believing you are something special Mm -hmm. is not bad. It It depends in a lot of ways on whether or not it's above others or not. And I think that's a closer distinction in my opinion, than the difference between vanity and pride? Well, vanity, I think, is a totally different thing because I think that, it, what, or at least in Mary's distinction, mm-hmm. Mary's saying that vanity is how you want yourself to be believed by others, like, or portrayed by others. And I never thought of that before, but it, when I think of vanity, I think of being unable to look away from yourself in the mirror mm-hmm. or obsessed with the way your hair looks or something. Right. And it's very, I guess for me it's different because vanity is skin deep in a lot of ways. I think it's in, like, wanting praise. Yeah. Where pride is more coming from... Praising yourself. Praising yourself. So um, it'll be interesting moving forward how that plays into the story. Mm -hmm. So what do you think of Darcy's shift? How it happened, why it happened, and what it says about Darcy? It honestly has me speechless. I... (laughs) Don't know when it happened because when were they hanging out that he was able to make this distinction? I think we missed some parties in between. It's very sudden in the book, at least. The way it's it's like blah, 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 blah. And then Darcy had a crush on her. Meanwhile, Darcy is slowly but surely developing an unquenchable thirst for Lizzie Bennet. Yeah. <laughs> this is like the original he's mean to you because he likes you thing. I think maybe he... I don't know, sometimes your first glance is wrong, and then you look back and you're like, wait, do you think that realizing that she's very smart and, like, witty 
had something to do with his shift in in perception about her physical appearance? I actually do, yeah. Because I think that when you start to like a person, they become hot to you. Yeah, I think uh, this is another problem with dating in the modern world, but it's really difficult to just see someone physically and understand whether or not you're attracted to them. Mm-hmm. It doesn't account for chemistry. Right. And it doesn't account for... The way someone's face lights up when they're speaking about things they love. Yeah. That was way cheesier than I meant that to be. <laughs> I discovered it. I was like, oh, that was cute, Becca. But really, like, I think about the guys that I've genuinely developed feelings for in my life, and I'm sure you can relate um, for the people who you've developed feelings for, but they're not people I always immediately thought were super attractive. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're people who, when I heard them speak about things they love or speak about their views on life, I realized were somehow deeply appealing as human beings. Yeah. It's one of those things where women, and famously, if we're going by heteronormative binary codes, which are not always accurate, meant him to be a little bit more shallow. But I think Jane Austen is getting at the fact that maybe that's bullshit. Maybe men do that too. Mm -hmm. And I think that... It is super significant that Darcy realized she is this witty woman who just does not give a shit. Yeah, and I think he thinks that's hot. And I think that what we learned about Darcy as a result is that he's looking for something more. I mean, he's not like actively seeking something more, it seems to me. I think that he's not seeking marriage right now. That's pretty clearly stated when he has that conversation with Caroline. Mm-hmm. But he's not opposed to catching feelings. I hate that I'm smiling about it. (laughs) Oh, God. Hashtag anti-Dizzy? Anti-Dizzy, still. Oh, yeah, but uh, pro-Jingly. Still pro-Jingly. Also pro-Bingly with myself. (laughs) Fair. Very fair. So, my next question is what we're learning about Jane Austen and her perceptions of love, which we touched on earlier when we talked about how Lizzie and Darcy feel about love. Yeah, love is not equal to marriage oh yeah in her eyes and you told me about that story about that boy that she was engaged to be married and then she broke it off because she was like I don't actually want to marry you yeah um I think because she realized she didn't love him and I think that's super revolutionary for her time yeah to not equate love to marriage and to not equate uh catching feelings to falling in love also like maybe I just want to flirt that's oh. something that's, that's, I think, novel. Everyone should watch Fleabag because there's a scene in Fleabag where a woman talks about how important it is to fucking flirt. We love to flirt in oh this Oh, God. This, this podcast stands flirting. Uh, Colin Firth, if you're listening, you're still welcome on this podcast. Always. I know you're married, but um, this is a flirting podcast. Just a heads up. Mm-hmm. Then my next question is about Lizzie trekking through the mud to see Jane. We talked a little about this. Mm-hmm. But it's so clear from the moment she does it that it was unconventional and weird that she did. Mm -hmm. And it's also, it says a lot about Lizzie. Yeah, that she's just willing to go the extra mile for the people she cares about. The extra mile, literally. Or the extra two miles. It shows, I think the thing it shows the most about is her friendship and relationship with Jane. Yeah. It does say something about her heart Mm -hmm. under her sort of sharper exterior. Yeah. It's very She's nice. like a turtle inside of a shell. I wouldn't have gone with that metaphor, yeah. <laughs> but I got what you're saying. <laughs> I was thinking more like a, like a hard chocolate with a creamy center. We did <laughs> just talk about how we were craving chocolate. I want chocolate so badly. We're going to go eat so much chocolate right as soon as we're done here. That's a great idea. Oh my God. We talked a bit about how Mrs. Hurst and Miss Bingley are separate characters. Yeah. Have you distinguished them at all? We've really only gotten to know Caroline, I think. Mm-hmm. Mrs. Hurst, when she does speak, is more of a bitch, I think. Caroline speaks more, Mm -hmm. um, or has so far, but she's also, like, kind of cute with with Darcy and, like, how she's a friend to him and, like, wants to gossip and, Mm -hmm. like, support him in his love endeavors and et cetera, et cetera. She's, like, kind of funny. She's a funny bitch. Mrs. Hurst hasn't said anything nice yet. I don't think she said much of anything at all. So what you're perceiving is Caroline is more talkative, more charming, and closer to Darcy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think those are all accurate things. Do you have any predictions moving forward about these Bingley sisters? I definitely originally was like, I feel like they're going to fuck shit up, mess in where they're not supposed to mess, Mm -hmm. but I don't know in what way. I think they'll definitely somehow try to sabotage Jane 
and Bingley. Oh, I feel like they're going to do something and make him, like, think that she said something bad or did something bad or, like, cheated on him or, I don't know. They're going to fuck shit up. That's my my, my opinion because they don't want her to come into their family. They don't want to have their family associated with her family. I am not going to comment on that. Great. We got just the briefest glimpse into Darcy's life mm-hmm. outside of this uh, interaction with him where he's here with the, the Bingleys. We got a little bit about his house, a little bit about his sisters, just the tiniest touch. I would love to hear your thoughts on the tiny touch and things you picture about Darcy's life. Yeah, so the things that I've got from the tiny touch is that his his house at Pembroke? Pemberley. Pemberley is gorgeous and huge, but that's his family home, right? Yeah, but I, I believe he's the patriarch now. Oh, okay. Um, and he has a sister. One, mm-hmm. who's younger. Mm-hmm. He has a lot of books that I imagine he's never read. I want to say he's never read, but as it was coming out of my mouth, I was like, he's probably super smart. <laughs> <laughs> Can't um, confirm or deny. <laughs> and I imagine he's got like beautiful grounds with servants and, um, mm-hmm. and stuff. Uh, but all things that he didn't work for. Therefore, he is proud, but of something he has no right to be proud about. In this podcast, we still dislike Darcy. I love it. All right, let's talk about the progression of Jingli. Let's get the thoughts on the budding romance. I love it. He cares so much about her. Um, She's sick, and he keeps her there. I think the sisters are the ones that are like, oh, we got to keep her here, but to keep up appearances Mm -hmm. of being kind and et cetera, et cetera. But he, like, actually cares about her and he, he wants to rush her to the hospital and all of this stuff but they're like let's wait till tomorrow and bring the doctor here and he's such a gentle boy he is such a gentle boy I haven't I feel like we haven't gotten to really see Jane and him together yet mm-hmm. like we've heard about them together and that they've dined together and you know all mm-hmm. of that but I in this time that she's at his house we don't actually really see them together yes but I'm still pro Jingly. Hashtag Team Jingly. Team Jingly. What was the funniest quote from this section? Oh my god. (laughs) The one that I laughed the longest about is definitely the one about Darcy. Um, Occupied in observing Mr. Bingley's attentions to her sister, Elizabeth was far from suspecting that she was, herself, becoming an object of some interest in the eyes of his friend. Yeah. I just wrote, God, Darcy, that was fast. (laughs) Good choice of quote. Um, What's a big question for you moving forward? Well, this is kind of in retrospect, I'm sure we're going to find out more, but just like, why? Why did he change his mind? Ooh, okay, yeah. Yeah. And also, will she be receptive to it at all if he ever comes out and says it to her? All right, I'm yeah. not going to comment oh, on I'm that. Excited. Who wins the chapter? Out of all four of these chapters, mm-hmm. who's I the think winner? My, my favorite winner is Charlotte. I thought so, too. Yeah. Yeah. I love Charlotte. Also, like, that speech she gives is just so funny and practical. Yeah. Yeah. She is so good. And she's older. Oh, yeah. She's 27. I love her. We love we love Charlotte. I think that she's a good role model to have because she's not marrying outside of love. Mm-hmm. Even though she says it doesn't matter, she hasn't gotten married yet. So we'll see. We'll see about mm-hmm. Charlotte. Well, that's all the time we have, but until next time, stay proper and find yourself a husband. Thanks to our newest patrons, Judy, Ben, Dolores, Kari, Hannah, and Kara. Pod and Prejudice is edited by Molly Burdick with art by Torrance Brown. Special thanks to our audio producer, Graham Cook, without whom we would sound like garbage fire. To keep up with the show, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Pod and Prejudice. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash podandprejudice. If you like what you hear, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash podandprejudice to see how you can support us, or just drop us a rating and a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening!